0: Um, It is a a, a privilege for Kay and I to be with you this evening and to continue um, finishing off a message that I began a few weeks ago when I was with you concerning one of the momentous occasions in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, or as some would like to call it, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Three great events, I believe, took place within the church. There was Acts 2, when the church came into being with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the next great event was the conversion of saul of tarsus who later became paul very pivotal in the ministry of the church and then when we get to acts 10 and 11 we find there the story of peter and cornelius where we have the jewish world and the gentile world coming together and where the gospel was forged a bridge between those two communities we saw last time how god gave Peter a vision of a sheet with animals, and he were unclean animals, as the Jews had a dietary code, which was to teach them, of course, there was unclean animals and clean animals, and that was to teach people that there's clean and unclean. By the way, just to cheer you up, if you're a Christian, you're clean, if you're not a Christian, you're not. But you can be, because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness in that way and so peter had this vision and he was told that he would have some messengers come and he was to go with them the same time cornelius or same period pardon me cornelius a roman centurion had an angelic visitation and he was told to go and send for peter so this is the encounter that we have here this evening the meeting of these two groups of people we have peter with a group that travel under the direction of God and we have Cornelius and his family and friends who invite Peter to come and we now come to the place where they meet together. I don't know what you'd preach for the preachers are here if God fixed you a a preaching appointment like this. Angels, visions, travel, it's just amazing. What would you preach? This evening I'd like us to look at the sermon Peter preached. So you could say I'm pinching his sermon tonight but I'm sure he won't mind. Not quite. But let me read you. We're in um, in the book of Acts. I'm going to read from in, in chapter ten, please, verse thirty-three. So this is Cornelius speaking. So I sent for you immediately. It was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism of John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen of all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, and Lord, may this happen, while Peter was still speaking, these words the holy spirit came on all who heard the message the circumcised believers who had come with peter were astonished that the gift of the holy spirit had been poured out even on the gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising god peter said can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water they have received the holy spirit just as we have so he ordered that they were baptized in the name of jesus christ Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. I make no apology for the long reading. We'll look at it in a moment, but I need to pray. Father, we ask you now that you will help us as we look to your word. As I say so often, this is not my word. It doesn't belong to this church. It's your word. And our prayer is that the same Holy Spirit that breathed this word into being might breathe upon the speaker and hearers alike. Amen. 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 We have here some little pointers. We have first of all the congregation that Peter was gonna preach to, very important. It tells us there in that verse 33, that described. So we sent for you immediately, it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. What a congregation to preach to. Cornelius is saying we are met here together. There was that unity. They had one purpose. And I believe that's the purpose that we have this evening. We've come to worship. We've come to hear God's word together and be encouraged in Christian things. And Cornelius says to Peter, this is this congregation. This is who we are. We are met together in God's presence. Wow. There is no greater atmosphere to preach or to share or to teach than the presence of God. When our friends lead worship, they have no idea that the effect that their ministry has upon those of us who minister the word. Because to come to a platform where a congregation has been worshiping and to know the presence of God is here is no greater platform for any preacher than that. And Cornelius sets the scene. He says, Very, we are all here in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to listen to everything. What an attitude. Their hearts were open to whatever God had to say. I wonder, have, have I closed my heart to some things? I don't want God to talk to me about that. I, don't, I hope the preacher doesn't talk about that. Not this group. They acknowledged that they'd come with that purpose. They had come and they were listening to everything that the Lord had what? Had commanded him to tell us. And that threw the pressure back onto Peter. Peter, we're expecting you to bring God's word. We're here in God's presence to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And now Peter has to preach. I don't know how he did it. I'd have said, excuse me, I resign. It would have been, what a challenge. We believe, Peter, God has given you a word for us. We believe God has, of course they believed it. An angel turns up, visions of animals in sheets. I think that's a pretty good invitation. To preach. So what does he preach? What do you do? Where do you start when you have such an opportunity? When the congregation are maybe small in numbers, but hearts are open, they want to listen, they want to share. But there was only one message Peter could preach, and that was Jesus. They didn't need a Bible study on Joshua, they didn't need a Bible study on Leviticus, they didn't need a Bible study on Daniel, and by the way, I do have one, they needed to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't need to hear about Peter's recent theory or some book he'd written or some DVD he'd produced. They needed to hear one message and one message only. These were not believers. They were, I believe, God-fearing Jews. They were proselytes, And they said, what has God sent you to tell us? And it was Jesus very, very simply. And if you like a key verse, it's Acts 10:36. Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. That was the message. Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And then he goes out in his sermon, in his message, to prove that. So it wasn't a matter of, well, I'm going to just give you a few points, a few ideas I had. He had one purpose. That this group of people who God had led him to, who God had opened the door, he wanted them to know one thing and one thing only. And I dare to say that God the Holy Spirit wants the same for you to know. And that truth is this, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Because when that revelation comes into your heart and life, you will never be the same again. And so the conversation continues. Peter began to speak. Now I realise how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. We live in a world of privilege. There's no doubt about it. It will be mentioned no doubt in some manifesto in different ways in different attitudes. But do you know something? God does not show favoritism. Now I've got to tell you there's folk I warm to more than others. I don't know why I'm looking at Scott. I really don't. But there are people we warm to in the, in the natural. We just they're just our type of people. You know? But if you show favoritism to them because they're your friends, then that's wrong. And Peter has come to the conclusion. He's about to talk to uncircumcised Gentiles. He's about to break every rule in the book. He's about to get a telling off from head office, but he says it doesn't matter what others think was I've come to understand that God shows no favoritism. And you may have come into this church this evening and you're thinking, Well, I'm not acceptable. God doesn't like me. I didn't go to Sunday school, or I didn't do this, or my mom and dad weren't that, or my dad did this, or my mother. Let me tell you now, I would like you to remove that thought from your mind. God has does not show favoritism. His love and his mercy are available. To everyone and when I say that again you're all going to go amen ready God's love and mercy is available to everyone got to believe it friends Peter said it so he begins this message by declaring now that, that, that God does not show favoritism in any way and then he says you know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. The first part of his message was to declare that Jesus was Lord of all. Second was to let this group know that they were eligible for everything he was about to say they were eligible for. Because God does not show favoritism, whether they're circumcised or not. They were eligible. And then he begins to talk about Jesus. He begins to talk about... He says there how God anointed of Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He begins by lifting Jesus up. He takes him out of the arena of he is a prophet. He takes him out of the arena that he is just a rabbi who teaches. He takes him out of the arena that he's just a someone coming along to, with a new message. He says, listen... Be in no doubt, the one I am talking about, the one who is Lord of all, the one who shows no favoritism, is the one whom God anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. He comes with God's approval. If Jesus was God was not happy with Jesus, he would never have anointed him at the Jordan. When he said, This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, I believe, and captured in that was the fact that Jesus Christ got to the age of 30 and he'd never sinned, never sinned. He was sinless. That is why this is my beloved son and who am well pleased. Some of us never got to three before we sinned, let alone 30. And 13, we were well gone. He says, God hath anointed him. God hath anointed, set people apart. And they were set apart. They anointed kings. They were set apart. Prophets were anointed. They were set apart. But now we have the Lord Jesus Christ, who at the Jordan came up out of the water, and the dove came, and the Father said, This is my beloved Son. So right at the beginning of this message, this message that God, this divine appointment, he wants them to know straight away that Jesus is none other than the Son of God. He is the one who God anointed, and God wouldn't have anointed him if God wasn't pleased with Him. Some of you might think, "Well, why hasn't God blessed me? Well, could it be that maybe you need to improve your behavior? So well, that's not very spiritual. Can you lay hands on me? No, I'm not laying hands on anyone tonight, because you know the areas of your behaviour that need to be altered if you're going to find yourself in a place where God can bless you. Moving on, having said that he was the anointed one, he goes on, he said, and Jesus went about doing good. So he wanted him to know he was anointed, but he also wanted to know that he was compassionate, that Jesus went about doing good. He's talking about Jesus and he's also modelling what we should be. We should be filled with the Spirit as Jesus was. We should be going about doing good. He was compassionate. The saviour he was putting across was not some angelic being. He was the son of God, set apart by that anointing of the dove landing upon him. If you're waiting for the dove to land on your head, he ain't coming. That was for Jesus only because he was sinless. You're going to get tongues of fire if you're fortunate. That's the difference. Tongues of fire for believers. The dove for the Son of God. He is the anointed one that compa- went around doing good. See, Jesus did good. He fed people who were hungry. He healed people who were ill. He raised the dead to comfort those who were bereaved. There is, there's everything he did. Jesus never once performed a miracle to draw a crowd. It was always because there was a need. He was compassionate. If you've come to the service tonight, and in a group this size, there are going to be people here. Who you say, God, I have such a need. Well, let me tell you, he is compassionate towards you. I cannot say that that need will be met in this service or at this time or in the way you want. But I'll tell you this, I do not doubt his compassion towards you in the situation where you are. He was compassionate. He went about doing good. He didn't just talk about it or think about it. He got on with it. Luke 4, 18 says, he, anointed, he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. That's not only the poor financially or in physical need, but those who spiritually are poor. Also in verse 38, he continues, how God anointed Jesus, that's with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Wow. So not only did he have a heart for those in need, but he had an authority in the spiritual world. He he was Lord of all. Now, if he's going to declare him Lord of all, he has to be Lord of everything everything, because the word all means all. I'm bright, aren't I? That's why I'm on the money I'm on. Because all means all. And so, if he's Lord of sickness, if he's Lord of poverty, if he's Lord, oh, he's Lord of the demonic world, he's Lord of the spiritual world, he's Lord of all. And he said he went about doing good, and how he, um, healing all people were under the power of the devil under the power of the devil and then it tells us why because God was with him again confirming the statement that Jesus is Lord of all he was anointed because he's Lord he went about doing good because he was Lord He delivered people from the power of the devil because he was Lord. Everything is to confirm and to build up in the people's minds who Jesus Christ is, Lord of all. Here is a group who said, right, what's God told you to tell us? Well, he wants you to know this. God wants you to know that. And of course, he did that thing because God was with him. It is the Father um, living in me who is doing this work, John 14, 10, because God was with him. That seal, that authority. Moving further on, we get into verse 39. It says, We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. It sounds almost out of place. Uh, uh, in my reading, I'm thinking, surely there's a verse missing. Surely we can't go from the anointed one going about doing good, you know, who is, uh, has authority over the devil. And please, and I'm not being flippant here. And suddenly, oh, and by the way, he got murdered. It sounds like it, it's almost against what he's saying. He's, con- con- he's producing a, a, a proof that Christ is Lord of all. Then suddenly, in the midst of this talk of compassion, anointing, authority, suddenly, he throws this in. And it almost seems out of place. We are witnesses. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. You know, the Old Testament says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. It's a terrible death. Jews did not want to be crucified. It was a terrible death. It brought a stigma uh, that that your family certainly would not have wanted. And in the middle of all this, power, authority, he brings them down to the fact that Jesus Christ died. We can't get round it, friends. Do you know what? We don't want to get round it. I remember in one church, and I hope I may have said this here, I had a lady who used to come occasionally. And she said, well, I've come to your church, but, you know, it's the but. And normally it's because you, I've come to your church, but you preach too long. <laughs> Could everybody take their watch off now and put it in the, no. No, she didn't say that, she said, I don't like the way you're always singing and talking about the blood. Now back then, we had two hymn 288, there's power in the blood. And you couldn't go through a Sunday without singing that in case Jesus came back. <laughs> and we did talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. We did sing about the blood and she was uncomfortable with it. But there was nothing I could do about it. She was wealthy, but I couldn't negotiate and say, well, you let me know when you're coming and we won't sing those hymns and I'll preach some other sermon. I'm not that shallow, dear helpers. And she never attended the church. Occasionally, Sunday school, thingy jigs. But that was it. Because she didn't like, but friends, they hung him on a tree. They killed him. This Lord of all, it sounds wrong. How can he be Lord of all, Gordon, And they killed him? Well, the thing is this. He didn't stay dead for long. Did you know that? They didn't, he didn't stay dead for long. And it tells us there how they killed him, hanging him on a tree. But then it says in verse 1, but God raised him from the dead. And so, having somehow sucked the air out of the room, oh, Jesus is dead. I wonder the preacher in Peter, whether he... Just pause for a few moments. And they hung him on a tree. And the room went, oh no. Is that the end? No. But God raised him from the dead. That's the proof again that he's Lord of all. Because he is not only the one who suffered, but he is the one who lives. He's not only the death, but he is the resurrection. And they come and said, they killed him by hanging on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. So Cornelius and friends, this is what you need to hear. You don't need to hear about Jewish history. You don't need to hear about Moses and Pharaoh. You need to hear the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Because in that truth, hangs your eternal destiny and your acknowledgement of who he is. Because to discover who he is brings with it the gift of peace and forgiveness and everlasting life. Moving further on, he was the suffering one, he was indeed the risen one. But in Acts 2.24, again Peter's preaching, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. Now listen to this. Because... It was impossible for death to keep hold on him. Why was it impossible for death to keep hold of Jesus? It was it because, well, He was the Son of God? No. It was because he had no sin. Because the power of death is sin. And Jesus was sinless. So when he died on the cross, he died for your sins and not his own. If Jesus had one sin, he'd have died for his own and you and I would be lost. But he had no sin. And death couldn't get hold of him. You know, it's like a greasy pole. Let's do it. Death couldn't get hold of him. And he rose because the sin that took him, the sin that made it possible for him to die was not his own. He took our sins there upon the cross. The suffering one, but the also the, the living one. Because it's impossible for death to keep hold on him. And may I say, for those of us who are Christians here, it's impossible for death to keep hold of you. Amen. Because when Christ comes back, or calls, we're off. Yep. We're gone. Amen? we shall rise, we shall meet him, we will be gone. For death cannot take hold of Gordon for eternity, because Gordon has no sin. Oh, oh, oh. I'm the biggest sinner in the room, let's not get in a debate. But they've been dealt with, they've been forgiven. I now Belong to Jesus, and that freedom is not an arrogance in my part. I acknowledge that I should be a lot better behaved than I am. I acknowledge it. I don't want to argue. Won't argue with anybody. We have a be turned up. Won't argue with him, but I might give him a testimony. How people can have their sins forgiven through Jesus Christ. Well, moving on. Moving on. God. Then he says in verse 42, having acknowledged that he died, having acknowledged that he rose from the dead, in verse 43, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. So he is the saviour. But before that, i have just run on ahead. Um, verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God Appointed judge of the living and the dead. So when Christ rose from the dead, it wasn't a matter, oh that's the job finished. He didn't take his jacket off, put his slippers on, and think, let's watch match of the day and see how good Josie Mourinho is gonna do at Spurs. Any Spurs? Any Spurs supporters here? There are. I'll give you you two years. And it'll cost you twenty grand. Twenty million. Anyway, that's another story. Did I really actually say that? Pastor Colin, I'm very sorry because <laughs> he's a Manchester United supporter and we all know how well they're doing, don't we? So moving on, if I can, quickly. God appointed Jesus judge of the living and the dead. Jesus didn't die rise from the dead and think, that's it, I can put my feet up. He didn't go into retirement. No, no, no. He still has things to do. First of all, he's ever living to make intercession for us. Do you know that if I forget to pray for you, he will? If I fall asleep, he won't. If I get distracted, he never will. So he's praying. But there's another thing that he, the Scriptures tell you he's got to do. God had the point of judge of the living and the dead. Oh, wow. The living and the dead. The Bible tells us that for Christians... We will stand before Christ. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5. So he's the judge of the living. And then the living I'm going to take to be the saints. Okay. He's going to be our judge. But he won't judge me for my sin. My sins have been forgiven. But what he will do is have a word with me about how I conducted my Christian life. And I hope none of you are standing nearby when he's doing that. Because it's none of your business. You worry about what he's going to say to you. <laughs> he's the judge of the living and the dead. The living, the saints, the dead, the lost. The great white throne judgment. The separation of the sh- sheep and the goats. Let me tell you, friends. He's teaching them that he's Lord of all. Lord of all, Lord of death, Lord of forgiveness. If we believe on his name, he's God. But he's the judge of the living and the dead. Can you imagine this group? Of listening to this wow anointed blessed brings forgiveness died rose again is the judge of the living and the dead it just got better and better and lastly and I alluded to it a minute ago when I was out of order with my points verse verse 43 he comes to what I will call the peace, de resistance is that French? eh Colin? He's the resistance, the big thing. Yes, he was anointed, great. Yes, he died, he rose again, he's the judge of all that. But then in verse 43, he says these words. Everyone who believes in him, Jew and Gentile, remember he's speaking to this group, who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. Something happened then. I'll tell you what happened then. They did that very thing he told them to do. The whole room, I believe, received the forgiveness of sin through his by believing on him. I believe in that moment they believed on Jesus. What an evangelist. And while he was still speaking and saying to them, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. The Holy Spirit fell on them. They began to speak in tongues and they were praising God. That's how I knew they turned into believers because unsaved folk can mimic but they haven't got the real thing and these people were baptized in the holy spirit and were speaking in tongues wow here we have it he is lord of all anointed doing good died, death resurrection the judge but most of all if you believe him on him He will forgive you your sins. They did, and almost instantly, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues and praising God. You say, Gordon, why doesn't that happen today? Well, I think there are a lot of reasons. There's faith, there's the teaching, there's preaching, there's a whole sort of, but we've got to remember that this was an event that was not just for the people in the room. You see, it wasn't just that God wanted these people saved. He wanted them saved. He just didn't want Peter to understand that God has no favourites and that the Gentiles... He had something else to do. And we read about it in chapter 11. And Peter had to go to Jerusalem and explain what happened. And then we are told very simply there why he came. It says in chapter... 11 verse 3 you were sent unto the house of un- you went to the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them they were getting a telling off they say, Peter you shouldn't have done that you were wrong to do that you broke a Jewish rule or regulation Peter began to explain everything and after he had finished explaining he says in there in that verse 15 very simply I'm moving on and As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remember the Lord had said, John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? He said, fellas, You've called me up before the national leadership team. You're not happy with what I've done. You think I've broken the constitution. Let me tell you, what else could I do? What else could I do? All I did was preach. It's God who is the baptizer and the Holy Spirit. All I did was teach. And it was God who gave faith that the word came to life. And then it says there, it says in verse 18, they were converted, these people When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even to the Gentiles repentance to life. You see, we think sometimes things are only happening in our lives that won't have an effect. Peter thought he was going to a group of people, Cornelius' home. He thought, Here's a group of people who are going to become Christians, speak in tongues. They got baptized in water, it was a good meeting. A really good meeting. I'd like a meeting like that. But it was bigger than that, bigger than that. So they had no, we, no further objections and praise God, saying, so then God has granted, and it says, even, that was big of them, even to the Gentiles. So this encounter was massive. Acts two, massive, the church is born. Devout Jews out of every nation. That's the key to Acts 2. They were devout Jews. They knew they'd already been baptised once. At least the Jewish people had to be baptised again in the name of Jesus. And then we have Saul's conversion, who has got to pioneer Christian missions throughout the Roman Empire. Vital. But then here we have in Acts 10 and 11, the breaking down of that barrier. It was racial. It was religious, it had every connotation that we don't want to think about. But God broke it down. How? By the preaching of Jesus Christ as Lord of all. Was there any wonder the Holy Spirit fell on that group? When Jesus was exalted, the Holy Spirit comes close. And they, he said, believe on Jesus. And they all went, I think we will. And they began to speak in other tongues. Another time maybe we can talk about speaking in tongues in the baptism of the spirit but at this moment paul proved i believe that his words that jesus was lord of all was indeed true i go back to 10:34 god does not show favoritism i wrote on the bottom of my notes and with reading it says here then you are welcome yeah you're welcome there's lots of places that i'm not welcome That's a shock, isn't it? Now let me tell you this. I'm always welcome by the Lord Jesus Christ. Even on my worst day, he says, come on. And may I say now to you, if you're not a Christian, he does not show favoritism. There's no, the only person that's sitting next to you, everyone in this church is a sinner. It's just some of us have been forgiven.